Hey gang, you're listening to the Let's Level Up podcast, episode number 28. This is our first podcast of the new year, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for 2019. There's going to be a lot of really cool stuff coming, uh, both in the world of gaming and uh, professionally, personally. Um, lots of really neat things. So um, with that being said, no guest on the first episode of the year. Um, just me. I had a couple things I wanted to talk about. I've been thinking about a few things in the board gaming space lately, and I want to know what you all think about it. Um, before we dive into our topics, as always, please spread the news about the show, about the channel, about everything Let's Level Up related. Hit us up on social media at Let's Level Up on Twitter and Let's Level Up D-O-T-N-E-T on YouTube and Facebook. Drop me a line. Let's talk games. Really, any time is a good time to talk gaming. I think. Most times are good times to talk gaming. Loved one in hospital, probably not the best time to talk gaming. But almost any other time. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good, pretty good combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash let's level up. And uh, consider backing us there. Everything you do goes 100% towards the channel. We are looking to upgrade cameras and things this year um, to kind of get uh, put into the year 2019. It's crazy to me. And I don't know why. This must be just like as you get older. Like I imagine I imagine a 30-year-old in the year 1999 was like freaking out about it being the year 2000. Like I remember. How old was I then? I was six, I was 15 in the year 1999, and I, I couldn't care less about the year 2000 coming. I know, I know all of the computers were supposed to break, and they didn't, and um, I was a little upset that they didn't, but other than that, everything was, everything was great. To be 15 again. So now as a, as a, as a 34-year-old man, it's a uh, it's a little unnerving to think that it's going to be 2020 soon, and maybe that's just the the pending mortality that it is. You know, the human condition there. As you get older, um, you start to realize that uh, you know you're not going to be around forever. So, 2020 coming next year, we've still got a whole 2019 to go through. Starting off on a really sour note, uh, in the term in pop culture terms, two two icons passed away yesterday. Me and Gene Okerlund. Voice of the WWF and WCW from decades, I think 40 plus years in the wrestling business, a business that I love. And uh, Super Dave Oz, uh, Super Dave, excuse me, um, passed away. Uh, Bob, geez, what's his last name? I know him as Super Dave. I don't, I don't remember his last name. Uh, but I know the comedy world, which is another world that I love, is, is, is mourning him. Um, yeah, it's not it's not cool when people pass. It's not it's not fun at all. Um, so if you're affected by those by any means, I know I know Mean Gene was it was a pretty bad hit for me. Um, Super Dave was just kind of a bummer. Um, I, gosh, I don't I don't know if you've ever seen any of the old Super Dave stuff. Whenever they first started doing the the Super Dave character and the you know basically his evil Knievel parodies right this this stunt man who tries to do <laughs> these crazy stunts and they just backfire tremendously and it was just 
as a kid some of the um, some really good slapstick humor and um, almost Stooges like in the level of physical comedy that Super Dave had. Um, his stuff on the Norm Macdonald podcast uh, was. Yeah, it's so funny <laughs> hearing Adam Egget ask him where <laughs> where he got his ideas from, and just the the look of just pain that crept across Super Dave's face is just uh, yeah, something I'll carry with me for a while. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a bit of a bummer. Hopefully, there's not going to be too many more uh, you know heroes dying. I use the word in quotes um, uh, dying this year. Um, yeah, Ric Flair. I'm, 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 I'm waiting for that one to happen. He's an old man. He's, he dodged a bullet last year with all the health conditions that he had. The guy, I think he's what, 70, 78 years old. That's not right. 75 years old, something like that. He survived a plane crash in his 30s, I think. Anyway, that one's that one's going to really hurt. When Roddy Piper died, um, I was I was pretty devastated. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, of Mean Gene Okerlund, um, but um, not not like a fan I was of, of Roddy or Rick. Um, I keep talking about Rick like he's he's going to die tomorrow. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, Dusty, when Dusty passed, that was a big deal too. Um, man, hopefully hopefully nobody else. I'm trying to think of. of Aging actors or, or comedians that I would really be bummed if they went. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so let's let's talk about something that's fun instead of just the the <laughs> morbid topic I've been droning on about for the last three minutes. Um, let's talk about board games, and specifically, let's talk about themes and board games. I asked the question earlier on Twitter and Facebook. You know, what's your favorite theme? to a board game or what's your least favorite theme and the majority of the responses that i received back were all mechanic based um, although there were a couple of people who mentioned art and um it's it's interesting to me when i when i look at look around my game room and i look at my collection of games um there's not there's not a single theme i have that just kind of runs rampant over the others, except for maybe fantasy, I have because that's such a huge, huge theme. I have a lot of fantasy-based games, um, with all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, uh, games like Role Player and Descent, um, even like Super Dungeon Explorer could probably be, and, and Crossmaster. Those could probably be filed under a fantasy realm. Um, so it's it's then you know that's that's probably. If I had to say one theme that I have that kind of overlaps the others, it's that I'm looking around as I'm saying this, so pardon the the audio. Um, but yeah, when when I when I see a game on the shelf, you know, what is a theme designed to do? Um, one, it, it can help with narrative issues, right? It can it can help weave a tale and connect the player to a bigger universe. Um, and, and allowing them to uh, feel a, a stronger connection with a game. And if you look at it, you can you can basically um, you can basically take a game and, and a board game specifically, and maybe even any any type of game, um, 
and divide it into three areas with 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 a million different areas of each each of the if each of the pie slices here. Um, the first, and I feel most importantly, are the mechanics to the game. Right? What are you supposed to be doing, and how are you supposed to be doing it? That's what that's a mechanic. Right, something that you do and triggers a response, or something that the game does and triggers a response from you. Um, the biggest, most important piece of any game, I think any designer um, will echo this same statement when I'm saying that. Um, in that, if your game has bad mechanics, you're not really going to get a lot of people to play it, um, or play it more than once, because uh, you can you can talk a lot of people into playing a lot of different kinds of games, especially at a convention show or something like that, or even um, you know, bring a board game to work or FLGS type situation. Um, the the other the other slice of the pie is theme, right? And that's that's that that's that connection. And the third piece being um, player interaction, um, the the personal element of things. Uh, and this is common seen in in, in role playing games, in um, in games like social deduction games, games like poker. Um, you know, games where there is a there is a there is another game going on outside of the the core mechanics uh, that drive a game, uh, and generally that can that can overlap in both mechanic and theme. Um, in, in something like Dungeons and Dragons, role playing is a is a mechanic of the game, um, but it's also um, you can have a lot of different things happen within a role playing session um, that I feel like it needs to stand out on its own pie slice. Um, if we take a look at the second slice, there theme. Um, I want to I want to challenge everybody um, to do something. Right, we all have we all have the visuals that we like. We may even have a, a, a typical um, theme. Like I, um, my friends that know me know that I love the Predator, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the eighties. I love the Punisher, and another P. I don't know what the third P would be. Playing games. I'm, I'm looking around for another P. I saw a Punisher poster on my wall. Pandemic. I know I love Pandemic. Predator, Punisher, and Pandemic. Pandemonium. Um, I'm out of peace stuff. I'm going to stop that. Um, no, but, but I, I, I love those those things. I love horror movies, and, and you guys have heard me talk about that probably ad nauseum. I love laughing and comedy. And um, anything that can bring that, those elements that I'm going into, again, it's going to tie a string, whether it be narrative central to the, to the game story that it's trying to do, or just a way to hook me into picking up the box, right? Uh, because a, 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 the, the cover of a box um, is meant to do a few things with the game, not only let you know what the game is called, right, or who designed the game, um, but also kind of give you an idea of what to expect, right? It's, it's the same thing like a movie poster. When you walk by a movie poster and you see the rock standing in front of a, a building that's on fire or whatever, you know that you can probably expect just by seeing the rock giving the look, you know, the, 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 that look he does at the camera um, while he's covered in blood and dirt and smoke and there's, there's, a, there's a helicopter on fire in the background. You know what you expect, an action movie. And, um, and, and the theme there is probably going to be something you, you're not going to take super serious and you're going you're gonna to have a fun time watching stuff blow up, right? You can get that all from the poster. Um, this, the, the box does the same thing with a board game. So my challenge to you is to pick up a box and play a game, maybe not buy a game, but see if you can demo 
or play or have somebody borrow a game that has a theme that you typically would not want to play. Um, I am not a fan of a lot of Euro style games um, with Euro style themes, things that, um, you know, it's shipping simulator or, or trains or uh, power stuff, you know, run a city management tycoon stuff. I'm not a big fan of that only because it's, it's too, it's too um, ordinary um, for me. And it, it and, and gaming a lot of times uh, for me is a departure from problems, right? It's a departure from um, areas that I, I don't really want to be thinking about, whether it's the bullcrap of the world or stress at work or, or, or anything. Um, so I, I typically like to have, um, a game's theme be something that's so completely outrageous or so completely non-real that it's easy for me to escape into. Um, but what I'm going to try to do is find a very normal theme for a game. I'm going to play it. I may even post something on my YouTube channel, but I'll definitely talk about it on the next podcast. So that within within a podcast this month, I don't know if I'll be able to get around to it next week. And I'd like for you guys to do the same. So if you're super into zombies and all you you know you love The Walking Dead and you've got all the Walking Dead video games and 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 games like Zombie Dice and and uh, Ah Zombies or whatever the heck that game's called and games like Dead Panic, um, play play the furthest thing from zombies that you can get your hands on. And just try it and see and see how big of a disconnect you have relating to the game because the theme is so anti you. Um, and I'm, and I'm curious here. Can you still enjoy a game? And maybe you already know the answer to this, but can you still enjoy a game if the theme is, is not you, right? If mechanically it is very sound and it's able to, um, execute on all of your favorite things say if you're really into 4x games and you found a game that was a sweet 4x game but the theme is cyberpunk and man you hate cyberpunk or you hate steampunk or whatever and that's the theme to it um you know could you still enjoy playing that game the answer i i think the answer is yes you may still enjoy it um but you would rather play x game which not only has the same mechanical quality to it but a theme that you also enjoy um, but I would love for you to try this out yourself. I love superheroes um, and horror and, and everything else I already mentioned. Um, to me, there, there are not a, a lot of awesome superhero games out there. Now, I'm not talking about the, the slew of stuff that gets the Marvel or the DC logo printed on it. Right. I'm not talking about that because a lot of times those are um, publishers who have the rights to those properties already. And the game is designed um, maybe as one thing and the publisher will go in. Oh, yeah. But what if we put uh, the Punisher on this game? Right. So instead of you uh, as a vigilante. Or, or you as a hero slaying a bunch of goblins or whatever the case is, you can be the Punisher and you'll be slaying a bunch of criminals. And every now and then you'll fight a guy like Jigsaw or Tombstone or Kingpin or somebody like that, rather than Muck, Luck, and Guck or whatever the names of the goblins would be. Um, so that's an interchangeable thing like that. So my, my theory is that um, 
is that a, a theme could be anything in a game that you can you can reskin most games. I say most because there are I think there are games that the theme one hundred percent or maybe even if if we're looking at that original pie I was talking about and cut into three thirds uh, or cut into thirds rather and. I think I think some some games lend itself more mechanically, right? Uh, some games are way heavier on the player interaction. Uh, a game like poker, for instance. I mean, it's easy to learn that a two of a kind does not beat of a three of a kind. That kings beat queens, um, you know, in the term in the ranking of the cards. Um, a small straight is a small straight even a thing in poker? Am I getting that confused with Yahtzee? Anyway. Uh, it's easy to learn those things as I as I stumble through the rules myself. Uh, it's hard to be able to learn how to read another player at a table. And the theme is is non-existent, right? It's a theme is a deck of cards. It, it is actually absent of theme, um, other other than the five other than the the type of poker you're playing, uh, whether it's a five card draw or stud or uh, Texas Hold'em or something like that. Um, so all, all of that being said is that each game can have each of those three pie pieces weighted differently, whereas poker may be uh, 5% theme and, uh, and, and 40% mechanic. That other piece of the pie there, uh, which is what, 55%, is all based on that, all, all put into that player interaction piece. So um, back to my original theory is that you can, for the most part, take a game reskin it to something and have it be uh, a, a same experience and maybe not a same experience to you and may mean more to you if you decided to reskin it. Um, a perfect example is Scythe, right? Um, as a joke, we got My Little Pony Scythe and it, it went viral and now we have legit My Little Pony Scythe that you can buy. So from somebody just reskinning some things as a joke to play with their with their kiddos, um, you can actually go and buy that now, which is awesome. I know the guys at Pup Meeple did the same thing with Scythe, but I believe they reskinned it to Cybertron Transformer stuff. So you can have Decepticons and, and Autobots or, or what. I'm sorry, I'm not a Transformers person. Um, but you can have those, you know, the giant robots fighting each other, which is, which is neat. Um, so if you can, and I guess, I guess what is, a theme is bait, right? It's, it's, it's something to catch your eye, to get you interested. Um, in, in playing the game. And so uh, switching from one theme, you may lose you may lose an audience, but when you bring it to another theme, um, you can gain an audience as well. An example of this is something that we found at, at um, my publishing company, Mothership Games. Um, we were designing a game called, what was the original title of it? It was called To Smell a Rat or To Catch a Rat or Catch the Rat or something, something involving a gangster idea, right? Sorry, it wasn't Ratatouille, Disney's Ratatouille. I should preface that. It was not that. We had to pay Disney way too much, so we had to drop that rat concept and go with the general gangster theme. Um, but it, basically, the, the it's a social deduction game. You'd do jobs for, for the mob boss, and those jobs required you as the players to bring back certain things to satisfy the job. And with the mob theme, we had things like weapons, we had cash, we had drugs, and I think people. Um, were the four um, resources that were, would satisfy a particular job. Um, the first couple times we demoed the game, the mechanics were so off, the game just was broken out of the gate. 
and it worked when I was doing my my solo plays and with with the design guys, we were doing our, our solo stuff. As soon as we got other players that didn't know what we were wanting to have happen, the game completely fell off the rails, and it was hard to get people to try to play it again. Uh, so what we ended up doing is actually changing the theme, uh, and we went to to a, a pretty common theme in the in the board gaming world. We went Lovecraftian with it, and we decided to create our own kind of modern day. Um, Lovecraftian universe set in a, a fictional town called Providence, not based off of Providence, Rhode Island, uh, but Providence being the, the, basically the last beacon of humanity, the last real settlement on the East Coast. Uh, any type of people can get there, but oftentimes once you get to Providence, um, you have more sinister ideals, right? So the whole ideal that um, uh, maybe even it's post-rapture, you know, um, but the things that are left are either people who are looking to be, uh, you know, just trying to live their lives or people who are trying to uh, find loved ones who are gone or whatever. There's a lot of bad, demonic, evil entities that lurk as well. Um, and we thought that felt really great um, with a Lovecraftian twist to it, right? So not, not maybe these aren't just uh, biblical demons. Maybe these are... Um, Maybe the world fell because of an uh, of an old one waking or an, an outer god waking, and uh, we came up with the idea of a game called Outer Gods and Interlopers, which basically, uh, instead of having a mob boss, now we have a cult leader, and instead of having gangsters, now we have cultists, and instead of having an undercover cop, now we have an investigator, and we we put that idea and we wrap that up. Um, and not only that, but the idea of magic and and parent and in ex extraordinary things at play allowed us mechanically to do some other things. So there were a couple mechanic tweaks that came out of it, uh, but largely it's the same game. I feel infinitely more fun than its original gangster incarnation. Uh, now, a lot of that has to do with the mechanical tweaks that we did um, and balancing that we had to do. Uh, but everybody that's played it so far has really loved it. And um, you can go to mothershipgamestudios.com and uh, download a print-to-play or print-to-play, whatever that's called, print-and-play of the game and try it yourself. Um, or hit me up on Twitter and I can shoot you a link to it. Uh, but it is something that we're looking to self-publish. So, I mean, that being said, I was able to to take my theme from Gangsters and bring it to a Lovecraftian horror-type theme, a modern theme, and uh, I had way more fun with it. Now, I've given this that same speech to people. Maybe some of you are even listening to this right now and say, gosh... The last thing we need is another Cthulhu game. And one, we were very specific never to bring Cthulhu up into it at all. Cthulhu is an old one. We have Outer Gods, which if you know your Lovecraft, you know those are different things. Um, and it, there's a lot, of, a lot of nods to Lovecraft, but we really try to make our own universe. But when you look at it and you hear a name like Outer Gods and Interlopers... I wouldn't shame anybody for uh, thinking Cthulhu. Um, so there are people who turned off by that theme just because they don't like it, right? They don't like the idea of uh, of these monsters, or maybe they think it's too played out. I know a few years ago, people were sick and tired of seeing all the zombie stuff. Uh, I love zombies. I, I I think zombies are one of the coolest. Um, 
one of the coolest creations ever. Um, when you go, when you trace back the how zombies became part of folklore and back in the voodoo uh, beginnings, and then in the uh, in the '60s when when Romero took it and and basically remastered zombies, right? And we have our, our shamblers that we know today. Um, to even some of the newer stuff where they're no longer slow, you know, the 28 days later type plague zombies or the world war Z, which I believe is another type of plague infestation. I love all of that stuff. Uh, and I think it's all cool in its own way. And I can, I could play a zombie game. Um, any day over, uh, managing a city's water supply or, or whatever you do. in a lot of your more traditional Euro themes, um, Another part of the theme, not only is it just the, the general place setting or backdrop of a game, like like zombies or, or, or you know, that real world Euro style or fantasy, um, a lot of times theme is going to um, come alive with the artwork and the art direction as well. So part of the art challenge, I would also say there, excuse me, the theme challenge is pick up a game that you don't think visibly looks great. And play it. Some of the best games I've played have had graphics that aren't up to par with what we would say, uh, what we would expect today. A lot of people expect every board game to coming looking like a Simon game, you know, which is unfair to a lot, a lot of people, uh, especially indie, really, really tiny indie publishers like myself, who just can't afford that sort of look. And it bloats a Kickstarter campaign cost way too much to try to get that sort of quality. Um, when you just trying to, you're trying to get six thousand bucks to be able to do your first print run, or five thousand bucks to do your first print run, and people want miniatures and and uh, awesome plastic inserts and 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 trifold player um, uh, aids, you know, all that costs money. So take a look at a game. Either be it for the directly the theme, right? The that backdrop, a zombies fantasy, uh, real world thing, um, or take a look at a game that you feel like the art is just isn't there, and try to play it. Let me know the game you play, how it went, if you decide you would play it again, and um, yeah, let's make this pretty fun. I'll do the same. Um, I'll need to go and because I don't I don't think I have any games that I've. I've ever said, hey, I really hate this theme. Let me add it to my cart. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that personally. So I'm going to have to get something or some way. Maybe a friend has a has a Euro style game that I could play. And if you guys have any recommendations, I please hit me up on Twitter or Facebook on our Facebook page um, or even on our website, letslevelup.net and let me know. I would love uh, to get some some cool recommendations uh, before I dive into this thing myself. And like I said, I hope you guys have fun with it. I mean, I want this to be, I want this to be something that we can all um, maybe grow a little bit from right. 2019, the year of growth, the year of the growth mindset. What can we do to get better? And I've always, I've always thought that if we constantly around people or we're constantly doing the same routine, um, it's going to be very hard for us to grow, right? If we don't challenge ourselves with new experiences, um, it's hard for us to, to learn. Um, not saying it's impossible because I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot is, uh, but it is something that I've, I think is pretty interesting.
So that's it. That was that was what I wanted to talk about. There is some some wrestling news for all you wrestling fans. Which, by the way, if you go back and listen to my TLC kickoff show or prediction show, you know, I'm chewing ice into the microphone like a savage. Um, if you go back and listen to that, I called a lot of those matches right. I, I like my booking, and you know what? A lot of people really enjoy TLC. Not saying WWE doesn't have a long ways to go in the eyes of the fans, uh, but they're getting there. However, the news I want to talk about today is only going to make that harder. Um, the boys with the elite. If you know wrestling, you know who I'm talking about. They are not WWE affiliated. I'm talking about Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Nick and Mac Jackson, as like Kenny Omega, Hangman Page. Um, have all contracts have expired from both Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they have teamed up with, uh, I believe, the president um, or one of one of the owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they have a new wrestling company who should be getting a televised or either a TV deal. I think details are TBD for that. Um, and they will offer a, a, a true competitor. I say true competitor because the WWE machine is so it, it's, it's an engine, right? And it, it is so monstrous. They are all over the world. They're in territories that pro wrestling should never be in. Uh, even in things like Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, right, or Iran, or um, India, you know, typically territories that or, or parts of the world you would never associate with pro wrestling, you know, they're in and they're involved in. They're in China. It's crazy. You know, John Cena living in China for a while to help promote some WWE stuff and also film a movie with Jackie Chan. That's incredible. So I mean, it's it's hard for anybody to truly compete. With that size of a business. However, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, and I think a lot of of the smarks or the internet wrestling community um, is 100% going to be invested in these guys. Um, the, the promotion is called AEW, which stands for All Elite Wrestling, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's All Elite Wrestling. And um, they're going to they're gonna set some stuff on fire this year. Um, if, and when I, I, I guess they're going to announce when it's going to happen, but when they start doing matches live on TV and if they decide to compete with shows like Monday night raw, um, or SmackDown, whenever that goes, whatever day that falls on, um, there's going to be some competition there. Nick and Matt Jackson are two of the best pro wrestlers in the world. There are, um, I think they are the second best tag team wrestling right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I'd put them number one. I think the Usos are number one. And before you guys murder me for that, um, if you look at Nick and, Nick and Matt Jackson, the matches that they have are all incredible. You can say the same thing for the Usos. The thing you can't say for Nick and Matt Jackson is that you can't yet see them on TV multiple times per week and have it still be special, right? You see them wrestle a match on a house show and they, they put the dates in, but a lot of that stuff isn't, isn't televised, right? And you don't get access to a lot of that stuff. If you don't have, um, you know, honor club or a new Japan world membership or whatever that is. 
Um, and they're not doing matches every week. So if you get a, a guy, a couple guys like the Usos who can do that in the engine and under the umbrella of the WWE, um, I think it's incredible. So I think I would say that they're the, the best tag team in the world. And I think the Bucks are number two. Although it's close. I mean, the Bucks are so damn entertaining and their storytelling is so good. Um, and their YouTube show, um, Being the Elite, is really incredible too. Um, and you know what's crazy is I hated the Usos when I started watching wrestling again. When they were doing the babyface uh, makeup stuff, oh, couldn't stand them. And when they came out with the day one-ish, you know, the day one is H merch and the Uso Penitentiary, I just thought they were incredible. Um, yeah. So anyways, I mean, those guys, it's going to be really interesting to have, to see those guys have a platform. I think they're all presidents or executive vice presidents or something like that on the show. Um, I know Brandy is, is in charge of brand awareness or something like that. And I believe Nick's wife or Matt's wife. Yeah. I think Mrs. Matt is, is in charge of, uh, merchandising. So, and she's the, she's the mind behind all the young bucks merch, uh, all those awesome shirts and stuff that they had. I mean, she, she had a lot to do with that. So I've been told, um, so it's going to be cool and you're going to have a lot of cool opportunities for WWE mid card talent to come over and make huge waves. And this is going to be very, very similar to what we saw with TNA when TNA first came out. And maybe even with WCW, when all the WWE talent or the WWF talent started leaving and you had guys like Randy Savage come over from WWF to WCW and do stuff. Um, or when you had guys like Raven leave WWE and be part of TNA and Raven won a world championship there, I think multiple times. And everybody knows Raven's the best. Maybe not the best, but he's up there. For, for young teenage me, it was it was a really high point. Um, but you're going to have a lot of these guys. I, I'm thinking of guys like um, Ty Dillinger, Tyler Breeze, um, maybe even some ladies. Um, I don't know if she ever would, but somebody like Bailey or Sasha Banks, you know, who should be main event quality singles competitors and have been at a time. And have been reduced to uh, basically building the women's tag team division, which I wouldn't say is reduced to anything, um, but there's no belts yet. So until we actually see it happen, um, this could be one of the best stories ever. We'll have to see. Um, but it's, it's going to be cool for these people who have who've been struggling. Zack Ryder <laughs> went a year without getting TV time on Raw. Zack Ryder. Uh Former Intercontinental Champion, Tag Champion, U.S. Champion, the Internet Champion, Zack Ryder. A guy who once challenged John, John Cena and was buried. Went a whole year without having any TV time. It's just, you know, it's not great when we got, I don't know how many awful Roman Reigns segments. And how many awful Lesnar segments. And how many times we had to see Seth and Dolph or Seth and Dean or Seth and whoever. Um, and how many times we wanted to see guys like Finn Balor carry championships and just haven't been able to really do that yet. Um, this is going to be a great opportunity for all those people. And it should be cool. 
Um, should be very cool. Keep your eyes on AEW. It could be really, really big. It could bust. And this could be the worst decision these guys ever made. I doubt it. They're so talented and they're so passionate about this. I don't see how they could have it fail. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. Who knows? It's all money changing hands. And if and if the owners decide to buy it outright or to sell it and somebody like WWE picks them up, man, we've seen that happen before. Ted Turner. One of the richest men in the world, maybe the richest man in the world at the time, um, or at least Americans at the time, billionaire Ted, you know, decides to just, you know, it's not worth having WCW anymore. So they sell it to Vince. Something that nobody thought was going to happen. We thought they were just going to go out of business. They probably were going to. Uh, Vince bought them up, bought all those contracts out, and those mid carters that they had in WCW didn't really go anywhere. Um, But it's interesting to me. If you're a wrestling dork, it's interesting. So there you have it. That's our first show of the year. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. I certainly appreciate you, as always. Um, We're going to try to get a guest for next week. I am traveling a bit this month, so um, we may have to do something different for... uh, What day is that? For the show on the 18th, we have to do something a little bit different, because I'll be out that week, but I'll try to get something up for you. Um, yeah, until then, thank you all so much and game on.